This conversation was recorded on November 21st, 2015. So we've talked about prayer in the past. Right. But it's been a while. It has been a while. Episode 39, we talked about it. It was a real snorer. We, we, did we have a bad show? No, that's just the title of the show. It's a oh, yeah. snorer. Because you fall asleep when you pray. That's right. That was about a year ago. Really? Yeah. October 5th, 2014 <sighs> is when we published that show. Over a year ago. So the recording of it was probably in September. So time flies. I remember it as if it was last year. Yeah, I slept through most of it. I, know, I remember that, too. That's why we need to put this on YouTube as a video as opposed to just streaming it like we do. So people can watch me sleep? I don't know. That's kind of Yeah, creepy. so that people can see that how you really are. I'm sorry. I drifted off there for a second. Yeah. What were you saying? N- nothing. It was a snorer. <laughs> so, so I asked you about prayer last time. I think it was – the question was, like, does God care about it or is it just for us? But – this time I want to ask you about it without sounding demeaning, like a tips and tricks style. Like if you had uh, prayer advice, general prayer advice, with specifics if you have them, to people, to me, what would it be? Well. Like how can I get better at it or how can I do get, it. More, get more out of it? It's like everything else. You get better at it by doing it. Okay. What if I don't do it? We probably <laughs> then <laughs> then you'll be really bad at it. Okay. So. Uh, we uh, probably covered this last year, but yeah, well. uh, I, I'm sure I said this statement that talking about praying isn't praying. That being said, I don't want to pray on that into a microphone and record it either because that's not proper praying. Prayer yeah. is a private and a secret thing, except there is a place for public prayer. Which is corporate prayer, by the way. You don't pray privately, publicly. Okay. I, I know that sounds kind of just stupid, but some people do that. And you're saying that the, the topics of your private prayer differ from the topics of your public prayer? Well, you know, I listen to people that like to pray in public, like the Pharisees did. And they pray for private things. That's an interesting dichotomy, though, because... We're told to pray in private, but like you said, there is corporate prayer, mm-hmm. and there's people there who pray to be heard, like the Pharisees, as you said. Right. But yet, we're also supposed to pray together. Yeah. Well, so of course, like that's a balancing the way, act there. Sure. And that's one of the ways people learn how to pray, is to hear other people pray. So, there is a place for it. There is a place for corporate prayer, and there is a place for public prayer, men everywhere holding up holy hands. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... You know, public prayer is substantially for men. It, it I don't think it's limited to. I, I personally, as you may know, don't have a problem with women praying in the church prayer meeting a lot. Yeah, me neither. As long as she has her head covered. And uh, Well, prophesying. Prophecy's done. But when, <laughs> when there was prophecy, of course, she could prophesy that way, too. Forbid not. Yeah, forbid not prophesying. Uh, now, as far as lies go, you can prevent lies. And as far as you know, you shouldn't forbid speaking in tongues either, but you should forbid babbling nonsense. I never have myself. I have stopped people from babbling like a child, mm. yeah, or making stuff up. Same thing with prophesying. I mean, you don't you don't forbid prophesying, but you do uh, forbid. You don't have to forbid making it. stuff up. Yeah. So, place for public prayer. 
Yeah, in the local assembly. Um, back uh, to the question. I, I, I don't have a problem with public prayer. Anywhere, really, anywhere where it's properly formulated. In other words, uh, you know, at con- when the Congress convenes, I have no problem with that. Uh, I certainly had no problem with uh, praying with my students when I taught at, uh, at when I taught secondary education, post secondary education. Well, there's, just, there's just a scandal recently about a guy that got fired for, for praying with his. Baseball team? Or? Well, I, I got kicked out of the league twice for praying with baseball. This is some sort of public out. school teacher or something. I, don't, yeah, I, don't I saw that. I think he's a football coach. Maybe. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. I don't know the details. Yeah, but yeah, what a shame. What's the purpose of public prayer? Well, the purpose of public prayer, number one, is to agree on things publicly. Number two, I think it's to acknowledge to bring God into the matter in a way that people understand. Hmm. And then I, can't, I think there is a teaching function. In other words, I think if I think people learn to pray by hearing prayer. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of the public prayer we hear ought not be learned. Like Pharisaical style, which that's very much a look at me. How look how neat I am. I'm praying. Well, yeah. Look how devout I am. Yeah. Yep. So you said earlier that the content's different. Obviously, there's things private. Which ought not to be prayed for publicly, right? Right, right exactly, exactly. Uh huh. But sure are there are. things that ought to be prayed for publicly? I mean, are there are there topics that the the corporate body yes, should well, take up of more? First, does doesn't First Timothy teach us that? I would that all men. I will therefore that men pray everywhere. First Timothy two eight. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Is that a physical thing? Lifting up holy hands. Can be, as long as your hands are holy. I mean, just because you lift them up doesn't make them holy. The idea of holy hands is that you've been honest in your dealings. That's what holy hands are. They're they're honest in their dealings, and they're harmless in their... So, they're not hands that are... His fists are clenched to smack somebody. And they're not hands that have been cheating their brothers in business without wrath and doubting. So there's there's that. Yeah, that's uh, generic. And that's in the content. context of the first verse where the subject matter, which is what you also asked for, right? I, exer- I, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all, for kings and all who are authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceful lives mm. in all godliness and honesty. So what are supplications? Supplications are requests for things. So like specific requests. A supplication is um, a supplication is uh, like a petition. You know, give me, Lord, I need something uh, you want or need. So that says prayers, supplications, prayers. But a supplication comes from based on need. Okay. I would say personal need. So, so this is prayer. This is corporate prayer for personal need. Yeah, a supplication is a needy person coming to a person with the ability to supply the need. And a lot of our prayers are those. Mm-hmm. This word translated prayer is a statement addressed to God. It doesn't have to be a supplication. So... You could say a supplication is a prayer, but you would not say 
that a prayer is a supplication, at least not the prayer that the word is for here. This is just addresses to God. You know, it's, in fact, it has to do with public, being public, public prayer. You could translate this, I exhort, therefore, first of all, that requests for needs, as well as public prayer, as well as prayers for other people, where we have intercessions, mm-hmm. and then giving of thanks, which is Eucharistia, this thing we should be always doing, be made on behalf of all men. Anybody. So everybody's the subject of prayer, right? Right. And now, specifically for kings and all that are in authority, that we may be lead quiet, and that word quiet means more productive than just silent. Productive right. and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty. You know, today, by the way, this, this is probably a very overlooked prayer. Productive and peaceful lives. As you know, I've been in under what's what are called underdeveloped societies. Let me just say more openly corrupt societies in Africa. And it's very difficult to be productive because of the nature of government. Mm-hmm. And in our society today, because of the nature of our society, what it's become, it is very, very difficult to be productive. I think you probably know that. You work on your own, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you find it difficult to stay productive while working with others? That's <laughs> why, yeah, it's kind of why I work on my own. Well, how productive can you be, by the way, when you don't have work? Then how productive are you? Like, how productive are you at getting work? just depends i guess I, that's not my forte it can be extremely unproductive to actually get work right yeah when you're getting work you're not working i mean you're working but you're not gaining yeah and you're not doing the thing that you're skilled at doing now you're trying to talk to people and they don't want to talk to you and that you find out they're not working actually you find a lot of that yeah that people are busy but they're not working mm-hmm. they're busy not working they're very busy not working, and so this is a subject matter for prayer. Huh. It's very difficult to have, in our society, a productive and peaceful life. So that all in authority, I guess that umbrella is down further than I would expect, because I always think of this as like pray for the governors and the mayors, but like anybody in authority over you. Yeah, well, anybody in authority anywhere, yeah. not even over you, right? Well, that you may lead quiet. I mean, it's we, so it's for all of us. So yeah, then it but would I be mean, anybody. you might have to pray for some president of a company you're trying to do business with because, you know, you know that you could be very productive there, but not happening. Just as an example. Mm-hmm. So you're right. It stretches all the way down. Mom and dad. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All kinds of authorities. I mean, it's not just about the police, you know. And fire department. Right, which is what I usually I usually just pigeonhole it into that. Yeah, well, that's what a lot of people learn because they hear public prayer and they hear somebody praying for the governor and then the cops. <laughs> yeah. Or the mayor. The NYPD. And the NYPD. Yeah, and usually in those prayers they're kissing up to those people, which is just not right. It's interesting that that is what gets pointed out, you know. Like it's very much like supplications, right? These are, these are general things. Prayers. Intercessions, giving it thanks, and then this for everybody, was, right? Which is like it doesn't get much more broad as far as content goes, like, or the audience. There are yeah, audience and the things said. Like there's an infinite number of intercessions you can make, 
But then very specifically in verse 2. Well, very specifically in verse 2, it says kings and all those are authority. Well, I mean, because, that's generic, but it's, the purpose is specific there. Well, it's reflective of the spiritual reality of the fact that, right? I mean, we have our form prayer, which is uh, typically called the Our Father, which on, like, sports teams, they chant it together, which right. is completely not what you're supposed to do. But we have the form of prayer, right? Which in that form prayer... Keep us from the evil one, because every day is evil. Every day has enough evil. We are faced with evil. When we pray, we are arming ourselves, you know, and we are combating the evil that's in the world. So the horizon of evil is where the enemies of mankind that are arrayed in the heavenly places touch world leaders touch the leadership of the world uh, and we see it in the old testament it's just right there right in the book of daniel there's angelic conflict right just laid right out in front of us about an angelic prince that was over persia another one over grecia you know and then there's michael the prince of israel that helped you know the messenger, right. which is Gabriel. The, those are the only named angels uh, on our side. And then Satan is the one named on the other, Lucifer, who people are naming all the time these days. Who are? What do you mean? You haven't heard people naming Lucifer? Naming him? Yeah. Like calling upon the name of Lucifer? Yes, exactly. I heard a, I, I saw a video of a Catholic mass. Where they were calling on the name of Lucifer. Really? No, yes. I haven't heard. I haven't, you haven't seen, seen that. that, huh? Nah. Well, to go broaden your horizons. It. You live in a Jesuit-dominated city. <laughs> so there is this horizon where the heaven meets the earth, where the angelic conflict meets men, and that's why it's a top-down thing. That's why we have to pray for those in authority, because they're getting... Top-down. Yeah, they're getting dominated, or as I like to put it, they're being being domesticized, as it were, and subjugated by wicked spirits in heavenly places. And they don't even know it. Well, some of them do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you pray for these people. And you pray for those in authority because if we don't pray for them, they're going to be, they have no defense and they're going to be brought into subjection to wicked spirits, which I see happening all over the place. So the, that wicked, the, the wicked spirits in heavenly places want to domesticate man and usurp him. Because the Lord Jesus, in his resurrection and ascension, we read in Hebrews, took a place higher than the angels, right? I mean, he was, as a man, set above right. the angels. And they're not liking that very much. And so the, the spiritual war is their attempt to subjugate mankind and the the other side of the spiritual war, the winning side of the spiritual war, is the fact that Jesus Christ is, has created a new humanity and those in him are above the angels. And uh, don't you know we'll judge angels? The Corinthians are told. And, of course, they, that's a rhetorical question because, of course, they're supposed to know that. And let me say just like one step further that you know, Revelation 1.5 tells us that Jesus Christ is the prince of the kings of the earth. And so we're in him, and so the kings of the earth are supposed to be subject to Jesus Christ, as is, as is everybody else. 
You know, we rarely say that because it's not exactly the gospel. I mean, it's part of the gospel. It's part of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, it's part of the part of the good news about Jesus Christ is that, you know, he's been elevated to the right hand of God the Father. He's everything supposed to be and will one day be subject to him is supposed yeah. to be subject to him at all times. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news part of that is that someday it will. But the bad news is, is that they aren't aligned under him today. Yeah, and the good news is that they can. Right. You know, I mean, the good news, despite the fact that we know one day they all will, the good news for them also is they can right now. Anybody can align themselves under the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody can believe in him and submit to his will. Mm-hmm. No, and they can be filled with the knowledge of his will. And that would be very good for your mayor. That's a good way for your mayor to be. Yeah. That's a good way for the police to be. You know, that's a good way for your high school football coach to be. That That's a good way for your teacher, to your, your kindergarten teacher to be. That, that That's a good way for everybody in authority to be. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's a good thing for all men to be. But especially those in authority, if they're subject to the will of Jesus Christ and they're filled with the knowledge of his will and they're doing it, my, what a productive and peaceful life we will all have. And that's what this teaches. You want good economic advice? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he says, and then the economy will boom. Mm. That, that's what people listen to. So maybe we should do that. Say, here's some good economic advice. What about specific stocks we can get into here? Yeah, the ones where the leaders of those companies are filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ's will and submit to it. Yeah. Good luck finding that. Yeah, I was going to say, sadly, you couldn't just say, the leaders of those companies are, you know, Bible Christians or born again Christians. You can't just say that. You can't actually say that. But that's that's you got it. That's prerequisite. Necessary, <laughs> the knowledge of necessary well. but not sufficient. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the, but of course, now we we need to disclaim. We're not advising people to invest in companies. No, no, we're not giving any investment advice. This here. is not investment nor legal. Because advice. no matter what companies on earth you invest in, moth and rust will decay that. Mm. But put your treasure in heaven. If you can find a way to invest your resources in the proclamation of the word of God, right? Yeah. Do that. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Now, that's not easy to do. And I don't have any advice on how to. Okay? I mean, on where to. Let me say that. I just have advice. Do. Mm. We started off saying, you know, pray is one of the, the yes. pieces of advice. And whenever we talk about prayer, we're not praying, but we also have that self-judgment of comes upon us of, man, I don't pray enough. Perhaps we see it here. Specifically, we don't probably don't pray for this enough, this authority piece. Oh, I, I agree that with, I agree with this. Well, <clears throat> how many times since prayer meeting does this come up? Once a quarter, maybe once a month. Not less. very often. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Uh, we'll say Martin Luther, for example, allegedly said that he had so much to do every day that he couldn't possibly get it done without starting with a couple hours of prayer. So most people say they don't have time to pray. But here's the nice thing about prayer, right? There is nothing anybody can do to you to stop you from praying. I'll throw you in a dead alliance. Still pray. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing they can do right. as long as you're sucking wind. To stop you from praying. You can be stopped from preaching. You can be stopped from just about anything, mm-hmm. right? But bind your hand and foot and throw you in a prison. And, and if they don't feed you, now you're just fasting while you pray. It's just even more powerful. Yeah, so, double bonus. 
So that, that that's why we don't do it. The reason we don't do it is like the same reason we don't read the scriptures because it's warfare and we're in a war and the best thing you can do to your opponent in war is to keep him from fighting. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Okay. You agree we're in a spiritual war? Yes. Are we supposed to win? Didn't you ask me this before? Huh? I'm asking you again. You're asking me that. No, I think we are supposed to win. We're supposed to win. Eventually, we'll definitely win. Well, is that how you... Now, when you're... <laughs> I know it's been many, many years ago since you played any sports that mattered. And looking at you, I suppose you probably can't anymore. But let's... Does let me take ball matter? Huh? No, keep going. Let me take you back to... Oh, that softball stuff you played? I don't play softball. That's not cut. Yeah, you did. Oh, I have. You just played last summer, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I was really, really good. Yeah. But let me take you back to your glory days, which where you're getting better all the time. Uh, you played high school football. Yeah. You played high school basketball. Mm-hmm. Did you play high school baseball? No. no you had quit. I had quit in middle school, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me talk to you about your football team. Okay. I think you were fullback, right? Amongst other positions, yeah. You played a couple other positions? Yep. I played, play I played defense, yeah. You played defense. What, what what position did you play defense? Uh, it, was e- it was either safety or linebacker. Safety or linebacker. Now, when you prepared for those battles, mm-hmm. is that how you guys approached uh, the game as well? Eventually, we'll win one, <laughs> or maybe we'll win next year. Junior year or senior year? No. <laughs> <laughs> we were better as juniors. Um, it must be because no, the of course not. were better than the sophomores. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, of course not. Well, you say, of course not. Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to play like that and practice to no, Nobody prepares to lose. Well, yeah. you got another big loss coming up this week. Yeah. I think I'll take, I don't think I'll go to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday because, you know, Friday doesn't matter. Right? Right. So you had basketball, same thing, right? You go to basketball practice. You thought you were in good shape because you just got done with football. Mm-hmm. You go to basketball practice, and you're only going to get to work on your shot after practice because during practice you're going to run till you start puking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you find out, wow, I thought I was in shape, and then you know you're not, and you're doing all that so that to prepare to lose on you know on the weekend you know during the Tuesdays and Fridays or whenever you played. Well, I mean, if I was being realistic, we were going to lose. You guys were going to lose. Our basketball bad. team was very average. So um, you had no assurances of victory? No, we had to fight for every victory. Yeah. But you, even, even if you fought, you didn't have assurance of victory? No. In the spiritual war, if you fight, do you have assurance of victory? If you fight. Uh, assurance of victory, even like battle by battle? Yeah. I don't know. Are you saying there are spiritual battles that, that God puts you in where you're you're supposed to lose? Not that you're supposed to lose, but that there's a good ch- chance that you will. Because why? Uh, failure to prepare, failure to fight. Uh, Stuff beyond your control? Maybe. Well, I don't know. Beyond my control. Maybe not. Maybe in my control. Are you saying... Or not, that you can always win every spiritual battle that that God puts you in. Me personally? Yes, you personally, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know. Can you learn lessons through failure as well? Like can maybe, I read 
to you first john chapter 5 verse 4 you may whosoever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world but he that believes that jesus is the son of god let me take that backwards haven't we already overcome the world though let me take that backwards for you okay do you believe that jesus is the son of god i do then you are the one, right, mm-hmm. that over. How about this one? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Uh, I think I said that to you last week when you asked isn't, me this. Isn't that the guy who beats up the other guy? Right. Isn't that what that means? I mean, when you say greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, does it mean that, guy, that, that the guy that's in you beats up the guy that's in the world? Right. Just destroys him? Yeah. Total slaughter? Yeah. Well, I know I asked you this before, but I figured you thought about it. I think one of the reasons we don't win is we give ourselves excuses to lose. Do you ever hear that as a player when you're from your coach? Or is that why you lost all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That there are no excuses to lose? Yeah. I mean, do we have any excuses to lose any battle? My coach used to say there was never an excuse to, to trip. He wouldn't even let us trip. He said, athletes don't trip. Well, I used to tell my kids a little <laughs> so something. Very high. Very high uh, I used to tell my threshold. children a little something like that, which is that your feet are your own responsibility. Yeah, very similar thought. And I always thought, well, what if somebody, you know, if you're, I always thought, uh, you know, fail, uh, fail fantastically. You know, like push beyond. And if somebody's like, makes a, if you make a crazy juke move and then you trip, like, maybe give the guy a break. Didn't you ever hear about play within yourself? Yeah. I'm more on the side of, like, go <laughs> on the other side, you know? Okay. Greatness comes from stretching beyond your abilities. You know, I like baseball quite a lot. I know you do. And I, and I watched the World Series. I didn't watch every single inning, but I watched a lot I watched of it. quite a bit of it, too. Yeah, because I had time off, and you know, I took some vacation, as you know, and I, and I watched the World Series, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at two teams there, and... I don't actually think player by player, skill by skill, that the Royals should have won that World Series. Mm. Typically, good pitching beats good hitting. And the team with the best pitching staff wins. And there wasn't much question in my mind. And then even further down the line, then when you look at a pitching staff, which is about half the team anyway in the major leagues, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the starting pitching that the whoever seems to have the best starting pitching wins. And I didn't think there was much question in that World Series that the Mets had the best starting pitching. I mean, they had guys that could just, you know, they'd cruise along throwing in the middle 90s, and then when they needed a strike, they'd throw it 100. Mm-hmm. But what I saw there, I just might use a contemporary analogy, is that the, the Royals stuck to the basics. They stuck to the basics, and the Mets didn't. So, you know, the Royals would put the ball in play and hope the Mets would make a mistake, which they would do. The Royals ran smart on the base pass. You know, they took opportunities when they were there. They didn't take uh, unusual chances. They didn't kick the ball around, make errors in the field, whereas the Mets, you know, started out the series. The first batter from the Royals guy made a, okay, they gave him a home run, but the guy made a four-base error on that. Mm-hmm. A guy who, by the way, might be the best left fielder in the National League, Cespedes, but there he is playing center. 
You know, right. there's a lot of lessons there. Yeah, he's playing out of position. He seemed to be lackadaisical after the ball, mm-hmm. and then and then they gave him an excuse, so they gave the guy a home run instead of an error, and just a lot of little tiny life lessons. And all the way to the last game, last inning, where they disobey a fundamental rule of baseball, which is after the eighth inning, you don't let anything between third base and you. You don't let anything down the line. In the twelfth inning, Alcides Escobar hits a you know basically a sharp but readily fieldable ground ball down the third baseline. Third baseman again out of position, double game over. Really, okay. Then they walked a guy intentionally, and Lorenzo Kane hit a three run double. But the game was over before that even happened. Okay, so without you know boring everybody with say? a rehash of the of the World Series. You Stick win by paying attention to fundamentals. And what is more fundamental than prayer? I'm with you there. That's why I'm saying. See, we if we give ourselves excuses to lose when we're guaranteed to victory, that's what I want to get to. I, I mean, I was trying to pull it from you, but I'll just say it. We're guaranteed to victory. God doesn't put us in situations where we have to lose. Now, I, I'm not saying we don't lose, but whenever we do... You know, we got to evaluate ourselves and admit our failures because that's the only failure there is, is our own. Yeah. And that's what your coach tried to tell you, but you didn't listen to him. Now, I had a coach that told us that. In fact, I watched him coach in Ohio University. It was Frank Solich. I watched him coach in a guy's great shape. My goodness, he's got to be 70 years old. He looks like he could still rack out 60 push-ups, which he probably can. But, you know... I remember how he told us, if you guys just do what I tell you and you just do the basics, you will win. Because everybody in high school, you're all the same. You're not going to see any superstars. There's not any NFL players here. There's not even any Division One players at college football here. You all just do what you say, do what I tell you to do, obey the fundamentals, and you win. And he took a team that was like three and six or two and seven, something like that, and turned them into a team that won eight games. Okay, same kids, mm. you know, not very good athletes as a rule. But we did come into a game where where one guy just killed us. He just destroyed us all by himself, pretty much, both on offense and defense. I mean, he, he would just carry the ball and run down the field. We, we tried to tackle him and couldn't. <laughs> yeah, He was really, really fast. And then he was a linebacker on defense, and somehow he knew where the ball was all the time. He just killed us. He was faster, stronger, everything. And our coach took us and sat us down, and he said, I told you guys that you wouldn't see a star or an NFL player. I was wrong. That That's an NFL player right there. And he actually ended up being an NFL player. Oh, yeah? But, see, but God doesn't give us – he doesn't put us into a battle we can't win. There are battles out there we can't win, but he doesn't put you into it. You know, there's a battle you can't win, so he doesn't put you in that one. You end up there somehow on your own? I suppose you could go pick a fight you can't win, spiritually. I never thought of that. It's a good question. But the I was, ones I was that, trying to think of, I'm, I'm, I've been sitting here racking my brain trying to think of a time that David, you know, was set up for a loss. Didn't and happen. It seems like uh, the closest I can get was when they were away, and was it the Amalekites came and just ransacked their place and just took maybe them? he Maybe when he didn't go to war and he didn't fight, that was a battle he couldn't win. He can't. You never hit a ball you don't swing at. Correct. Is that what you're saying? When he didn't go to war? 
Yeah, when he didn't go to war and he hung around a palace and then Bathsheba and he couldn't win that one. He was busy not working. Busy not working. <laughs> Took himself out of the battle. Yeah, then you lose. Mm. Yeah, you don't go to war, you lose. But it's true that uh, you shouldn't take a third strike. What was it Ziklag? What about Ziklag? Ziklag, he was out to battle and, you know, the Amalekites came and just took all the women and children. He didn't lose that one. Well, that, I mean, he won the war, but he lost that battle, right? He wasn't in that battle. He was gone. Okay. He went out and did he, did he not go out and get them all back? He did. Sure he did. And spoiled the, the Amalekites. Right. Yeah. Eventually, that's how the Amalekites. He eventually won, is what we're that's saying. to teach you how the Amalekites are. That's to teach you what, you know, the Amalekites are a picture of the old flesh. Yeah, they hit you. Sneaks up on you. Yeah. You know, t- takes you when you're not paying attention. You know, the the very Amalekites that took the, you know, da- David is the one who proclaimed, they that go to the war are equally rewarded that, with those who stay with the stuff. And yeah. so now he's got to war and he told them, you know, it's rewardable for you to stay with the stuff. And lo and behold, they get grabbed, take, you know, they get captured staying with the stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, he cried out to God about that, and God gave him the victory, right? Well, that's a pi- the Malachites are a picture of the flesh. That's what they do. So he whooped the Malachites there, but he lost the Amalekites when he stayed home from war and, you know, fell into yeah, lust after Bathsheba and ended up murdering a man to cover his sin. That was the flesh, right? That was the Amalekite inside David, not the Amalekites that he... Got victory over, and of course, you know, an Amalekite killed Saul. There's a verse that, here it is, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Above which he is able. Right. So. There's your excuse, man. No excuses. That, your excuse dissolves right there. Yeah. No temptation has befallen you except that which is moderate to man. You can win. When you don't, it is your fault. It is your fault. And by the way, why not admit it? There's grace for it. So what's your big problem? Well, speaking of myself, the listener, and Jared. <laughs> what's your big problem with admitting it and going forward from there? Because, you know, the truth bother you that much? The truth about you bothers me. And the answer, of course, to that is, yeah, the truth about me bothers me a great deal. Pride. It's pride. But it's it's one of those forms. You know, there's various forms of Internal pride, pride, like, to yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, how could I do that? Yeah. Are you kidding? Right. Like, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Of course you. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. Denial. It's a combination of pride and lack of self-knowledge, both. But I guess you could you could ascribe, and you are, and I think it's proper, that lack of self-knowledge is also about pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like willful lack of self-knowledge. It's denial to admit who you are, right? To yeah, judge there yourself There could properly. be degrees of it. Yeah. But uh, as one brother told me early on in my Christian life, you know, when I f- failed to get victory over the very things that I failed to get victory over, which is why I received Christ as my Savior anyhow, he told me the obvious thing. And that's why you needed a Savior. Isn't that the obvious thing? I mean, yeah. I needed a Savior. You think, well, I needed a Savior, but now I'm saved. 
do I still need a savior? Well, of course you do. Well, that was kind of the point I was making earlier when I said, haven't we already overcome the world? And it's yes and no, right? It's yes and no. Yeah. Exactly right. We have, but have we continued to? Uh, Is that the end of it? Do we have no battles before us? Of course, we do have battles before us. We do have a spiritual war to fight. And we have no excuses to lose it, but we do lose those battles. Sounds like that's what we should be praying about. That is what we pray about. I mean, you know, that first part, all men everywhere and so forth, we do pray about that. And and then in the matter of public prayer, having handled our own failure, our own sins, let me not soft-pedal sin by using lighter words, we're equipped to, you know, actually be effective for others. That's not in those passages exactly, but it is in the scriptures. 